Welcome to Glass Onion Minute. I'm your host this week, Park Parkinson. Joining me is my guest, Philip Modis. Hi, Philip. Hi, Park. Hi. Here we are for minute number 36, the 36th minute from zero hours, 35 minutes, zero seconds to zero hours, 35 minutes and 59 seconds in. In this minute, Andy tells us what the real thing is that unites the disruptors and we find out Every one of these people is holding on for dear life uh, to Miles Braun's golden whatnots. Golden bazoomzooms. Yes, golden yavos. Golden um, golden PG version of whatever she says. <laughs> yes. We don't have any new actors for this, but we do have some plot points uh, that just kind of spill all over us. Yeah. Uh, or at least potential plot points. They are they are character information. Yes. Um, we we get that uh, you know, um, Andy going over how everyone is indebted to Miles, and it's not just that they've been there since the beginning. It's that they've each had some kind of lapse, or at least several of them have had some kind of lapse, and Miles has been there to pick up the pieces and put them on their feet again. Right. Uh, or possibly give them their careers in the beginning. Mr. Blanc, you're a detective, right? Yes, so. Can you spot the other thing? The real thing this group has in common? Andy, come on. Oh, Lionel. Everybody knows who Lionel works for. That's no secret. And we know who bankrolled Claire's campaign. But when nobody Nobody would touch Bertie with a 10-foot pole because she went on Oprah and compared herself to Harriet Tubman. In spirit. Who do you think showed up as an angel investor in Sweetie Pants? Huh? Yeah, and you and I were talking beforehand uh, about this, how we sort of slowly realized that this is just exposition. But... Yeah. But I realized as I was realizing that myself preparing for these minutes I was like I was thinking why is this so much fun though than you know some (laughs) lesser things and my theory is a couple things uh which is number one it's all very character based it's you know it's it's a you know a good performance by Janelle Monae you know laying it out there I was gonna say that definitely a big part of why this this minute is so enjoyable. Yeah. And she only gets, it's a minute. Her whole thing is really, almost her whole thing is really in this one minute. And th- that's um, number two. And that's number great. two, which is like, she does it in like under 60 seconds. Um, and number three, we've kind of been denied this level. We, the audience, have been den- denied this level of information for 35 minutes. And... Yeah. Given yeah. given what we're going to see, we're going to watch a murder mystery. We kind of expect this sort of thing. You know, at some point, someone has to, like, tell us why the suspects are suspects. Why, you know, this, that and the other. So in, in a way, I mean, notwithstanding the performance or the writing of anything, I would almost think like if they had just stopped and someone had dryly told us it was like Duke did this, Claire did that, Bertie did this, we would have been like, okay, thank God, we <laughs> we know, like we would have been sort of just satisfied to be like, yes, okay, good. So I think all those things kind of like just perfectly hit for this moment to be like, yes, go yeah. for it, tell us. And Duke, 
when Duke got banned from Twitch for hawking rhino horn boner pills to teenage boys. With zero rhino on those pills. Who do you think set them up at YouTube and used their media empire to promote the stream? That is the common thread here. Every single one of you is holding on for dear life to Miles Bryan's golden titty. Yeah, I think the only, the only sense of like, who the people really are and what their flaws might really be that we've gotten before this point yeah. has been, we know Birdie is, she has a terrible foot in mouth disease. Right. Um, and, and doesn't seem, you know, seems like a little bit of a loose cannon and, 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 and at least thoughtless, if not, you know, if not true, witless, at least thoughtless. But this put that on a whole new level, yeah. even even for her. Yeah. Even for her. You know, that it's not just that she's like kind of a Liberty gibbet, but that she had a real career low point where she really said something quite awful uh, and then dug in, and dug in deeper, comparing yeah. herself to Harriet Tubman. She, yeah, in spirit. It, it, in spirit. <laughs> it's back to back, like, cultural appreci- uh, appropriation of black people, right? Because she did the tribute... To Beyonce, previously mentioned, and now she's equating herself to Harriet Tubman. You're like, ooh, yeah, you don't right, so get so, it. Yeah, so <laughs> far, <laughs> so far, we know that she's she used a, a ethnic slur against Jewish people. Yes, that is really obviously one. Right, whether she thought so or not. <laughs> she did blackface. It. Yes, she <laughs> and she did blackface. And she compared herself to Harriet Tubman on... Didn't you say it was on... It's on Oprah. Oprah? Yeah. Right. It's like that. It's got to be one of the worst places to do it's... that because you you would imagine that Oprah would call you on that. Yeah. Yeah. Right away. And... Like, maybe if you did that on... I, I don't know. Maybe the other talk show hosts wouldn't say anything immediately. It might give you a look. Well... But I feel like Oprah would say something. Well, remember... And I can't remember the name of this author, but remember maybe 15 years ago, there was some author who wrote a book that claimed it was the real, it was real. And then it turned out that it was not. And he, he is had that come, James Frey. Is that it? So he, he came on, he promoted it on Oprah and she loved the book and, yes, and everything. And James then, Frey, um, a million little pieces. It's a million little pieces. That's it. Uh, and then like she had her in back and was just like oh, really yeah. laying into him, and I realized it was like it was oh, brutal. Yeah, it was brutal. And so for Birdie's thing, like if you think about it, if Oprah, when Oprah, I mean, <laughs> that's not like I'm disparaging Oprah, and I'm not, but if she she holds a lot of sway, and people are going to follow her opinion. So here, and especially oh, yeah. when like probably the truth is on Oprah's side very much. Like you, she can easily say it was like you should not touch this person with a ten foot pole, and millions of people would be like, whatever you say, you know. So yeah, yeah. she sunk it bad. I will. I mean, I I will disparage Oprah a little bit. She gave us both <laughs> Doctor Phil and Doctor Oz. And that you know, that's those are, true. Those are crimes to be answered for. Uh, yeah, but, we're still paying for the. Okay, well, yeah, even okay, fair enough. <laughs> Thankfully, not elected, but. Uh, <laughs> But to 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 her credit, uh, she knows her audience, and she definitely has connected with them very, very deeply. True. And like you said, I mean, she holds a lot of sway. The whole book club thing, which I want to say that was an early, yeah, that was an early book in that book club. Um, you know, she you put 
Oprah's book club on that book, and that book is like instantly a bestseller. Yep. I, I, Beloved, I think she basically made Beloved. And <laughs> it's not like Toni Morrison hadn't been heard of before, but no. um, I, I want to say that was an Oprah book club, and then did the movie. I think. Yeah. That was like I, well, I don't know if it club. was a book. Cl- I don't know if it was a book club. To tell you the truth, but that's neither here nor there. Maybe not. Maybe not. The point is because of her, she was in the adaptation. Anyway, yeah. The point anyway, is that Oprah, woman can can make you or break make you, or break you, and especially if you decide to say something terrible, she is ever she's totally within her right to be like, eh, we're gonna break this one. And you're like, goodbye. <laughs> that's it. Oh yeah, I feel like it, this, this would be one where I, if I heard about it, I would be like, "Yeah, Oprah." I mean, I'm not like a giant open yeah. fan, but I'd be like, "Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah." We're Take all her with to her. Task for that. Thank you, and when well done, and thank you. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so yeah, so Birdie has has uh, has done some some said some really awful well, things, and that's an and that's um, sorry, that's an interesting thing too. That like we we learned about her first like the the Twitter faux pas say it loosely yes like very early on and then just now in the same scene we learned about the halloween costume tribute to beyonce and now it's like now we have the third one and it's like and it's a it's like a reverse comedy of threes where like you realize <laughs> you realize these are not isolated incidents this is something yeah, this, this person isn't... sucks at yeah <laughs> Yes, yes. This is not like, oh, she's so silly, and she did this some, mm-hmm. and one time her silliness really got her to trouble. Right. No, it's she is really uh, does not think before she speaks no. or acts, ever, and, and doesn't it gets learn her from into her mistakes. Major trouble all the time. Yeah, and yeah, does not learn. Does not even learn. I mean, yeah, yes, nope. Yeah, does not learn from her mistakes. Yeah, yes. So yeah, even when they're really up. bad, and she gets—I mean, this all happened before <laughs> the Twitter, yeah, the the Jewish slur. <laughs> so this stuff all happened. She has been really. She should know at this point that this is a thing she's not good at. Yes, like she doesn't know what how people will react to the things that she says. Even if you think, well, she wouldn't learn like how to be how to think better about her, what she says, she should at least have been shown that like, Hey, you're not good at this thing. You need a, like someone to take charge of your public right. image real bad. Still, <laughs> still, <laughs> despite this still regularly seems to make a terrible social faux pas. Yes. Uh, I mean, I shouldn't say just social, says racist things, <laughs> boldly racist things. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Lionel's and Claire's were the ones that were not at all of a surprise because we knew, right? You know, we know Lionel works for Miles, and we know that um, we know Claire's Miles campaign is Claire's campaign. Right? Yeah, um, we kind of get the sense from this that maybe they two were were quite low at one point, or maybe had problems, and yeah. Miles has at least has been lifting them up, if not bailed them out. They weren't like genius people miles met when they were at the top of their game and linked up. And I don't know. And and this is bad because I don't know um, the exact line, but um, what she says about Claire, we do already know that, but in the performance of it, where it's like, there's sort of, it's sort of the difference. And this is totally paraphrasing, but the sort of difference where like Jake Tapper at the beginning (sighs) mentions, as like, you know, you're backed heavily by miles Braun. And then now to have, 
Andy say it was like, you are backed by Miles Braun. It takes on a different meaning. She to be says, like, she says bankroll bankroll. We know who bankrolled Claire's campaign. Right. It does sound like he's, he's the only thing. Yes. Yes. It doesn't sound like he's one of her big supporters. It sounds like he made her. Right. Right. And so she owes him and, and yeah, yeah, you kind of get that from that. And especially from Catherine Hahn's sort of look of like, you know, I've been caught a little bit. She's kind of like squinting a bit off to the side, you know, like you're like, oh, okay. Yeah. She I don't like to talk all, about that. All over these minutes, all over these minutes that we're doing this week, but also I would say in the movie in general, Catherine Hahn is doing the most acting with her face. <laughs> Like of like like just serious facial expressions like sure. like like she like biggest reactions, and I think it totally fits Claire. Like mm-hmm. I don't think it's like it, this is not a, not a slight at all. No, I, I no, Catherine it's Hahn. fine. I think it. I I think it it uh, only a couple other times do we see characters act as big as she does regularly when she is confused or when she is ashamed or when she is hurt or whatever excited whatever i think you really see it and you know that's not like because claire can't keep it all down because in the first five minutes we see claire like when the cameras start rolling Mm -hmm. like she immediately turns it on. Like I, I, she's got control of herself. She's right. a character with a whole lot of self-control, And then, but maybe because she's among her friends or out of the environment, like when she communicates with other characters, she's being very in here. She looks guilty. Like she yes. looks like she feels bad. Well, about- I realize, I realize too, there's like this scene, you know, is like semi standard, not in a bad way, semi standard for the genre. Right. And it reminds me, of like clue when they're going around and literally reading everybody's files. And if you can't, Mm -hmm. if you can't, it's like a prerequisite for this movie where if you can't do like side eye glances and stuff, I don't know what we're going to do with you in this movie. You have to be able, (laughs) you have to be able to like look out the side of your eyes a couple times. Cause that's the type of movie we're doing. Even if it's like sort of like making fun of it, but also doing it. It was like, yeah, we kind of need people to look shifty. And we need him to look uncomfortable and and scared and stuff. And yeah, she's very good at it. Yeah. And even more than, I mean, this is one of those, it is in some ways a pastiche, but it also is the thing that it is not parodying, but it's sending up a little Mm -hmm. bit. And, And yeah, you have to have like those moments where characters are reacting to... The other character reveals. And here yeah. are, it's not that Andy is telling them things that they don't know, though Block doesn't, you know, right. we get the, at this point in the movie, we definitely get the impression that like Block doesn't know all of this stuff. Um, but it's that she's airing out their dirty laundry. So I, it's, it's their chance to react to other people speaking openly about, oh, how, how will Birdie look when I see, you know, when I see everybody right. else thinking about, terrible things that birdie's done and it's and it's also it's also kind of interesting to think that like it's not something that i think the other characters necessarily think about when they think of their friends of their old friends too you know so to have it like all laid out right there to be like you did this this is happening to you you're doing that right in front of people even if they do know that it is embarrassing you know it's it's oh yeah i mean i think pretty rough 
we all have that stuff with our friendship group. You know, we've yeah. <laughs> we've said things to each other we regret. We've you know we've especially if you have like your college friends who you did drunk and stupid things with a long time ago. Yeah. Uh, you know, we all remember those, but we don't we don't talk about them. It's, right. If, if if anything, the the bond that you forge by all kind of agreeing to not talk about that, and at least <laughs> at least assume that we're more mature, better people now. Right. It's kind of part of what makes those friendship groups special, and it's part of the bond. We all agree, like we all. I like that idea. That, you know, I like that idea. It's it's it's, it's part of the covenant. Yeah. And <laughs> and uh, and she's totally breaking through that i mean that's like a giant taboo like you the one thing you don't do is say the things that we are all really we've all worked very hard to not think about all the time which which perfectly uh, plays about ourselves and about our friends yeah and which perfectly plays against in the previous minutes where miles is explaining the disruption theory and about how you know people are going to tell you there's a line you shouldn't cross here's andy crossing one of those lines like she's yeah, she's, she's literally breaking the system yeah she's truly disrupting yeah miles has built this system yeah. where he has his cadre and uh, and and through them he has a hand in all of these different areas of life mm-hmm. um he's got he's got impact on politics an impact on popular culture in like three different ways and he's got an impact on uh, on science and on uh, engineering and technology and and that this is part of how he maintains a grip on you know everything and that he's the system and she is disrupting it and and of course he has i mean he just refuses to acknowledge it yeah. <laughs> yeah. He does, other than covering his chest up. <laughs> yeah, right on the right on the line. Which was great. I laughed very hard at that moment yes. at the end of the minute. I want to uh, say, yeah. I want to say too, it's also, it's good writing that of the four friends, like not Miles, but the other four, the two mm-hmm. immature ones, or the two more mature ones don't have a verbal response or retort back. But the two immature ones, Bertie and Duke, do have yeah. retorts back, which are just as empty as you'd get from any five-year-old. Because Bertie says, you know, when she says you went on Oprah and compared yourself to Harriet Tubman, she says, in spirit. Or like, <laughs> not a denial. And then, and then Duke's thing, when she accuses him of uh, hawking, uh, you know, a, a terrible <laughs> product to teenagers with rhino testosterone and his is like there's zero rhino in that in those pills <laughs> because that's the biggest problem yeah that's I mean, the biggest be wrong that would be a big problem that would be a big problem but that's not the biggest problem no. the only problem at least but he's like he tried yeah, i mean it's those different levels of like <laughs> adult versus still a teenager you know like yeah like trying yes. to find oh yeah well you know like you didn't get this right so you're totally wrong I'm like no you're you still lost yeah yeah, it's it was it. Re- yes, reminded me very much of conversations I've had with my children, where I will point out something they're wrong, and they will, they will point out some very minor incongruity or, but I didn't do this part wrong, you know. Right. When out yes, of scope, but still out of scope for this yeah. conversation, child. <laughs> 
Um, uh, this is yes. I I was uh, sorry. I was railing on. Um, but I was gonna say. Um, I'm going back to Janelle Monae. Um, and this was the movie where I'd seen her in several others, but this is the one where I am now consciously aware that I'm going to stop being surprised that Janelle Monae is great. Because right. for, I have felt like I saw her in Hidden Figures, and I was like, oh, she's great. And then I saw her in Moonlight. Oh, she's great. And even something like uh, Antebellum. I was like, oh, she's great. And now she's in this. And like, I felt myself be surprised again. And I'm like, I got to stop doing that. This person is <laughs> a really good actor. And I just have to like, be ready for it next time. And and even like things like this, where it's like, you're just going to kind of info dump in a way, but you have to give it something extra. And she totally does. She's, she's great. I have only seen clips of her acting before. Uh, well, she's I, great. I, I will plead. I will plead. Parent of small children, and oh I, yeah, sure. I don't get to watch as much as I would like to. But I have seen clips of her. I've seen clips of Hidden Figures, uh, Moonlight, um, and uh, and she's in Harriet. Oh um, yes, yeah, you're right. Uh, and so I haven't like I haven't, this is the first time I've bought a first time I've watched a movie where like she's like she's a main character and she's in the movie, and I've watched the whole movie and uh yeah she was astonishing and i expect like stage performers musicians uh especially i i expect like a like a presence Mm -hmm. you know um and i would say the same thing of uh of uh uh dave bautista uh Mm -hmm. who i've seen in like i saw the guardians movies and i've seen in, in a couple things but this is the first time i saw him play a character that was you know wildly different and also seems very different from himself. Yeah, but not so far. Uh, up. Yeah, like he, he, they both, everybody in this movie kind of, generally speaking, knows what they can do. And they're either like stretching that or leaning into it in different interesting ways. Yeah. And, in, and many of them do seem to be playing characters that are sort of <sighs> how sometimes people portray them unflatteringly. Oh sure. Um, <laughs> okay. Uh I, I think to a certain I mean I, I uh Batista definitely I think um uh but also um oh man, I'm blanking out his name. Ed um Ed Norton. Oh Ed um, Norton, yeah, sure. I, I, I think like the two ways he gets kind of talked about or portrayed is sort of like being a difficult perfectionist. Mm-hmm. Um and and also maybe kind of like hippy dippy ish in some ways. Hmm. Um, uh, I I don't know. Uh, definitely playing a a very risible character here. Yes. Um, who is very full of himself, yeah. <laughs> and that is part of why he is so risible. And I feel like that's something that, like Edward has been accused of before. Yeah. Um. But. Uh, and yeah, almost everybody, even the ones who I think only Leslie Odom Jr. I would say doesn't get like a real moment in here. I mean, you but know, he is in general of them all the most stone faced. I yeah, and I'm glad you mentioned that. I, I got the feeling I like Leslie Odom Jr., but I would venture a guess that we have yet to see a film director like harness the Leslie Odom Jr. power in the best way. 
I, I feel like hmm. he, and maybe it's just the way that he's playing this character, or maybe it's just me, but I feel like his character here is sort of the most realistic and therefore has kind of like less stakes in a way. I was thinking about it earlier, like this is me being a hack trying to rewrite it, but I was thinking like, I wonder if just like if he had been interested in the science of these things enough to sort of forget that he should actually be really careful, that maybe would have given Mm. him some extra little, you know, pizzazz, but he's kind of just like, around and yeah he's kind of like oh you know she's right you know like he he admits that she's right that andy's right i don't know it just he left me a little cold and i know he's good and i've and i've seen him in other performances too i'm like (coughs) just not quite there i don't know if we're if we deserve you at this level yet leslie odom jr we need we need to do better i don't know how i don't know how much was was uh, about coaxing a performance or or allowing him to perform the way mm-hmm. to perform i did get the impression I, I feel like it matched the character claire and and lionel are the two characters i never felt threatened by interesting i felt threatened I, by claire i felt threatened by claire i claire always seemed to me to be um uh too politically motivated to do anything and too smart Mm. to do anything that could conceivably be traced directly back to her. Okay. So I never felt like if a character would be like alone with her in a room or a character like threatened her, I never thought like, Oh, what if Claire will like, what if Claire will kill this person or what if Claire is going to kill my, because I I, I assumed I did assume from the very beginning and I was thinking, so at this point in the movie, Mm. someone's going to kill miles. And one of the things we get in this scene is how everybody has a reason to love and also maybe hate miles Mm -hmm. because everybody, you know, there is a natural urge, I think to, to feel resentful of someone on whom you are that dependent. Yes. You know, they hold, you know, they've got you in the palm of their hand. And I could definitely see Claire feeling that and not wanting to be beholden to someone like Miles Braun. But I would never be worried, like, but here in this weekend, and on, you know, on during this weekend, she's going to be, like, alone in a room with Miles and kill Miles. I mean, mm-hmm. like, no, she's not going to get blood in her hands. <laughs> um, and, and Lionel genuinely seems to the way he was talking in his conference call in the first few minutes, like to be reacting to things Mm -hmm. and to be thinking things through carefully. Birdie seems like an absolute loose cannon (laughs) and Duke, you know, waving his gun around. I was going to say he literally uh, carries a cannon scene. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Literally has a cannon next to his cannon. (laughs) Um, And like you said, they both seem like the immature ones. Yeah. Uh, and we haven't, even at this point, we have Whiskey and Peg in this scene. Mm-hmm. We kind of see Whiskey looking at Andy, and we definitely see Peg looking at Andy. Oh, yeah. With kind of, a, with, with, with admiration. Um, I yeah, think Peg I'm gonna knows get, Andy is right. I'm getting to that. I'm going to save that for the next minute. I have thoughts on that, too. Okay. That's a tease. I think, I'm not sure if there's that much more to talk about this minute in terms of i would say of like 
cinematography and editing. I mean, I enjoyed the like. There's like some faint dramatic music, and we get lots of dramatic zooms. Yes, and lots of camera movement. Um, I noticed everyone is being filmed from above or right on, except Andy, mm-hmm. who is from below because she is clearly in charge in yeah. this minute. We barely see Blanc because he's neither. He's neither being talked to. Not really. Technically, she's telling Blanc this stuff, but really, she's right? But telling it, them. But more directly, she's scolding children. You know, she's like, yes, she is acting like a teacher, letting kids yeah. know they misbehaved, and yeah, that's that's part of the cinematography. It's that type of thing where it's like I would the love right to see Blanc's not face. flashy. You know? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I love to. I would love to see Blanc's face and see like what he thinks about all the things that she's saying and him watching their reactions. But we right. don't get that in this minute. Uh, we really just see, we really just see them. I would almost venture a theory and, and it'll kind of come up a little later too. This, this movie is interesting how it gives us some scenes that look like they are, uh, they don't have a point of view character or like a, you know, a, a character watching them. And then they later reveal that they actually do. So you'd almost mm-hmm. think that in this moment when the camera is looking at these characters, that kind of is Benoit Blanc. That's him watching their reactions. He saw Claire, you know, looking embarrassed. He saw Duke say there was zero rhino on those bills. He saw, like, Miles button up his shirt, all that sort of stuff. That That's, like, what that in, like, in, inhabits, I think is the word. You know, like... Uh, it abbreviates. Yeah. That's where it, um, <laughs> I almost did it. Um, but no, I think that's kind of where it is. This little movie magic. I really like... inhabited this moment. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but that's the kind of little movie magic in the cinematography and the editing that Andy is talking to Blanc. And then by virtue of Blanc, not being a react, like getting, giving us a reaction, we start to become him in a way. He's our entrance point. Oh, I yeah, that that makes a lot of sense to me. And I feel that's what, you know, it's what you you want some moments like that yeah. in every good detective movie where you you are playing detective, you the audience are playing detective and and you're trying to play detective the way the detective is. Yeah. You're trying to do you're trying to get inside what would what would Poirot be thinking at this moment? <laughs> what what would Holmes be thinking at this moment? And, um, and since Blanc is so amazing and also clearly so thoughtful, mm-hmm. well, our, my Monday question, okay. uh, which we talked a little bit about beforehand was, did you see this film in the theater? It was a very short release, but no, you said you, I did not know. No. Um, there was some confusion in my house. So just to back up my, uh, my wife and I saw Knives Out in the theater, and it was, like so many others, the last movie we saw in theaters for a long time. Um, mm-hmm. And then over the pandemic, uh, we showed it to my son on sort of a gamble that was like, well, you know, he was, I guess he was probably like 12 or something when that happened. It was like, you know, it might be a little scary or a little adult in some parts, but I think he'd handle it. And he totally did, and he loved it. So when they announced that there was going to be a next one, we were all excited. It's one of the few times the three of us were like all exactly on the same page. And oh, that's a rare joy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we saw posters, but they were 
very confusing, and I think they were very Netflix-serving, where it was saying, like, streaming on Netflix on Christmas Day or something. Like, they didn't really promote the theatrical release. So we had half-baked plans to go see it, but then we just we totally blew it because the thing didn't happen. But then that was like our I Christ- don't think they really cared about their theatrical I, release. I don't think they did. Um, but we did watch it whatever opening day is where like we opened up Christmas presents and then we're like, do we get to watch Glass Onion now? And then we did. And then we did. Um, and, and we all loved it. Um, so yeah, we watched it Christmas it's a Day. New Christmas ritual. New Christmas ritual. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that's, that, that, that's, that's what we did. That's great. Yeah. Yes. I I I spilled this when I did minute one, but I I I did not see the theater, and in fact, I I kept myself ignorant of the first amazing everything after the first five minutes until last night. Yeah. Um. Uh, last night I decided, you know, I was going to watch more than just this, and I, we charged ahead, and uh, and my wife and I watched the whole thing, and we stayed up until two thirty in the morning. Um, he did this for you, great. listener. He did this for you. <laughs> it was it was uh, it was fantastic. Couldn't could you know I was gonna say the movie version of couldn't put it down, couldn't turn it off. Yeah. Um. Uh. It, it was amazing. I really enjoyed it. I mean, I also really enjoyed Knives Out. It's just right up my street. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I I do enjoy a, a mystery, and uh, and these are these are great. I I'm loved how you, many I'm glad twists. You, I'm glad you saw it. And the kinds there were. Yeah, I'm glad you saw Taken? it. Taken. I'm glad you watched it all. I I was I was <laughs> amazed, but like almost concerned, amazed that you were like gonna really stick to this. And I'm like, I don't know. I wonder what you're gaining by doing that, you know? Like, I did I think know. about it. I thought about it. maybe I'll just watch it, like, as the podcast goes. But yeah. I, um, I, it turned out, even if I had that kind of, um, even if I had that kind of uh, self-control that, uh, that my wife didn't. And it's yeah. so rare for us to, to both stay awake in the same night to watch something long together. Right. I didn't want to, I didn't want to, you know, um, Look a gift horse wanna, in the I mouth. That gift horse in the mouth. Yeah. Yes, and so so we did. Uh, thank you very much for joining me, Philip. Yeah. Philip, would you like to plug anything before we conclude our, our sure. first episode? Sure. If you or your mom likes mysteries, um, I happen to write them. <laughs> um, uh, I have uh, a uh, beginning series uh, called the uh, Psychic Barber Mysteries. Um, the first of which is called The Murderous Haircut of the Mayor of Bel-Air. And in it, you are introduced... Yes, <laughs> it's very gaudy. Um, in it, you're introduced to uh, our hero, uh, Danica Lumen, who is not only uh, a hairstylist by day, but she also has a secret... Wait, did, you, did, you, did you just say our hero? Our hero, yeah. <laughs> no, I didn't mean to. I didn't mean to. <laughs> but I'm going well, to it now. sticks now. It's it's like I messed up hero, hair, and her, uh, Poirot all at once. Um, <laughs> oh, uh, it's spelled H-I-I-R-H-A-I-R-O-T. Yeah, it's, it's, it's great for SEO. Um, no, she's uh, she secretly has psychic abilities, and normally she uses them uh, to give people great uh, haircuts. You know, she touches the back of their heads and asks them what they want, and she can see it and the exact color and everything like that. And then in the first book, she does that. 
uh, to a new customer, and instead of seeing hairstyle, she sees a dead body, and then she is compelled to solve the mystery. Um, so yeah, a playful amount uh, of fun. Uh, so if you're in the knives out, glass onion genre, that's that's one you can check out. <laughs> well, thank you very much. Thank you. Check out check out our show on Twitter at Glass Onion Min, all one word. Please rate, review, subscribe to Glass Onion Minute on your podcatcher of choice. Goodbye, Philip, and we'll see you tomorrow for our next minute, Minute 36. Indeed.